Sword, Sanctuary, and Solace, an Avatar The Last Airbender fic, written and read by Dr. Fumbles McStupid. Warning for implied referenced rape and non-con. So a note about implied reference non-con. It doesn't happen to anyone in this fic. It is tagged here for talk about rape culture, basically, and references to the way some alphas treat other omegas. So definitely be careful if that type of thing triggers you, but nothing really happens on or off screen. Summary. He let Zuko plaster himself up against his side while Sokka grabbed some of the dried berries Katara brought. Then he turned to Zuko, praying the other boy would get the hints. He did, indeed, get the hints. But before Sokka could deposit them into Zuko's hand, the other boy ate it out of his hand. And oh god, Zuko's tongue had definitely touched his fingers, and if Sokka was blushing before, he was combusting now. Cool, cool. So hand fading is a thing you apparently do. I can roll with that. This is fine. Sokka rambles to no one, because Zuko was definitely not listening. Or, Zuko runs out of suppressant herbs and goes into an unexpected heat. Secrets are spilled and relationships are changed. Chapter 1 Sokka was... concerned. Definitely not worried. Worried was too strong of a word for it. But concerned fit. Zuko had not come out for breakfast or lunch, and he had missed his firebending training with Aang. Aang had shrugged it off, saying that yesterday Zuko had told him that he wasn't feeling the best, and that firebending practice probably wouldn't happen for the next few days. Katara brushed it off with a comment about, If he wants to skip out on his duties, that's fine with me. I'm glad he hasn't come out for food. If he isn't going to pull his weight, he shouldn't expect to eat either. Which was harsh, even for a grudge-bearing Katara. When he had asked Toph, she had shrugged and said that Zuko had been holed up in his room, giving credence to what Aang said about Zuko being sick. But the thing was, Zuko had never let anything keep him from doing what he thought was his duty. It probably had to do with the whole honor thing Zuko had going on. Zuko had come out to train Aang when he was clearly sleep-deprived and looked like a stiff breeze would knock him over. So the fact that a sickness was keeping Zuko from training meant it had to be something really, really bad. Something that maybe someone should be watching over him during. Or at least checking up on him during. Which led Sokka to what he was doing now. Making his way over to Zuko's room to make sure the other boy wasn't currently dying. The closer he got to his room, the more tense he got. He could smell that something was off, and it was putting him on edge. By the time he was in front of Zuko's door, the whole area was mired in it. Something was niggling at the back of his brain, saying he should know what this was, but it just wasn't clicking. So cautiously, Sokka knocked on Zuko's door. Zuko? he called out. All he heard was a groan and the rustling of fabric. So cautiously, he opened the door. It took a moment for everything he saw to register in his brain. Zuko was curled up in a pile of blankets on his bed, and he was most definitely naked, which his brain was focusing on a bit too much. The other boy was flushed and seemed feverish, and Sokka was going to go in and check on him when the scent that he had been smelling outside the door hit him full in the face, and Sokka's mouth dropped open. Oh, that was what he recognized. Zuko was in heat. Just as Zuko turned his head towards him and reached out and whined, Sokka scrambled out of the room and slammed the door shut. He lay back against the door, breath heaving like he had just run a marathon, flushed from head to toe. Sokka's mind was whirling. He was pretty sure just yesterday Zuko had smelt like he was a beta. He most definitely hadn't had that sweet cinnamon and campfire smell. A whine from the room snapped him from his thoughts. Sokka, 
Zuko cried out, and Sokka had never heard Zuko sound like that, soft and desperate, and his instincts were begging him to turn right back around and march back into that room and take care of the Omega. The fact that he was Zuko and that he would most definitely kill him when he was back to himself be damned. Alpha! Zuko called out again, more desperately, and Sokka closed his eyes and took a deep breath to steady himself and slowly started to walk away from the room. The farther he got away from the room, the more desperately Zuko called out, and it was like tearing part of himself off to leave, those soft cries calling him back. When he made his way to the hallway, Zuko started crying, and Sokka's heart ached. He couldn't do this. Katara! He called down the hallway. When he didn't hear a response, he called for her louder. Eventually, he heard footsteps making their way towards him. What, Sokka? Some of us are busy doing important things, like, you know, training the Avatar. She started, but as soon as she turned down the hallway, she stopped and sniffed deeply. Is that? She asked, eyes wide. Sokka nodded. So, apparently, Zuko is an Omega. Who knew? He tried for levity, but his voice came out more tense than he intended. Katara shook off her shock and folded her arms and scowled. So, he lied to us about this, too. So we'll just leave him alone and confront him when he's done. Which Sokka thought might be a good idea. The asking questions, not the ninth degree Katara wanted to do. But he thought back to the short glimpse he had gotten of Zuko's room, and he knew they were going to need to do more than that. He doesn't have nearly the amount of supplies he needs to get through this. We're going to need to bring more in for him. Katara scoffed. If he didn't prepare properly, that's hardly our problem. Just leave him. He'll learn from his mistake and do better next time. Sokka scowled. Katara, he could die if he doesn't have the correct supplies. You know how hard heats are on Omegas. I get that you don't like the guy, but surely you don't want him to die. The beta scowled back at Sokka, but she caved. Fine, I'll get the supplies, but I am not going into the room to give them to him. That's on you. Sokka ran his hands down his face. Of course Katara would be this stubborn. She wanted to send the Alpha into the Omega's heat nest. He took a deep breath. Sokka knew that Zuko wouldn't appreciate having an alpha in his nest, but he equally wouldn't like having an unpresented pup in his nest, so that knocked out Aang and Toph. Fine, I'll do it, Sokka said. He had managed to be in there and not ravage Zuko, and Dad had always said that people were more than their instincts. It was now time for Sokka to prove it. Go get what dried foods we have and a big water skin. Katara made a face at that, but thankfully decided to let it be. Then Sokka turned and walked back down the hallway, his whole body stiffening at the sweet scent of cinnamon and smoke encompassed him again. Sokka looked over his shoulder and said, Bring it back to me when you have it. Sokka sat down in front of Zuko's door, like the world's horniest guard dog, and just waited. The high-pitched whine Zuko had been sending out before seemed to have tapered off, only to be replaced with moans and rustling and sounds that Sokka should really not be thinking about right now, even though it's all his traitorous brain wanted to think about. He defiantly squashed down each image as they appeared in his brain, each one more depraved than the last. When a particularly loud moan came through the door, Sokka grabbed his thigh and clenched down tightly, trying to drown out his natural reaction with pain. After what felt like an age, but was probably only a few minutes, Katara came back with the supplies. Her face crinkled in disgust at the smell and noises coming through the door. Sokka scowled back at her in return. She shouldn't be judging Zuko for this. He had no control over it. But she was a beta and had never really had to deal with heats or ruts, so this must seem foreign to her. Here are the supplies. 
she said grudgingly as she laid the dried food and water skein on the floor by Sokka. She turned to leave, but stopped suddenly, and Sokka had a sinking feeling in his stomach. "'Have fun dealing with the heat-crazed Omega, Sokka,' she said sweetly. Sokka scowled right back at her. "'Katara, you are literally the worst. Just be gone, you she-demon,' he said. Katara smiled sweetly back at him. "'It sounds like you have something of a demon to deal with in the other room.' Katara's eyes narrowed deviously. "'A sex demon?' Sokka sputtered for a long moment before he could even say anything. Katara, you... I can't. He took a deep breath and collected himself and tried to will down the blush that was raging across his body. You know very well I won't be doing anything fun. It will, in fact, be the opposite of fun. Just like everything in my life, other people get to have fun and I have to be the responsible one and make sure everyone is safe and taken care of. Sokka says vehemently. Katara's eyes soften. I know Sokka, and I may not like Zuko. Katara scowls at the door Zuko is behind. But what you are doing is a good thing. She shuffled from foot to foot for a moment, and then mustered her courage and said, If it's too much for you, I can step in, Sokka. I know this probably isn't easy. Sokka was touched that his sister was concerned enough for him that she was overlooking her frankly whale-squid-sized grudge against Zuko to offer to help him. He smiled and waved off her concern. It's okay, Katara. I totally got this. Katara opened her mouth to argue, but before she could say anything, Sokka continued. But if I do need help, I know where to find you. Katara, seemingly satisfied with his answer, nodded and left, which left Sokka here alone with the noises from Zuko's room, which was, honestly, just great. It's not like Sokka was a teenage alpha with a hair-triggered dick or anything. Not at all. Sokka sighed and took out a piece of wood and started carving just to have something to do with his hands. After about an hour, the noises in Zuko's room died down, and Sokka took that as his cue to go in and make sure that the jerkbender didn't die from hunger. He picked up the supplies Katara left and carefully entered Zuko's room. His brain conveniently took the time to remind him of a story Bato used to tell of entering his sister's nest when he thought her heat was over, and almost getting disemboweled for it. Sokka gulped and called, Zuko? Hey, buddy, I brought some food and water for you. I just noticed last time I was in here that you didn't have anything and that you might be, uh, hungry? With no disemboweling or flying fire, Sokka felt safe enough to open his eyes and look around. And he saw Zuko asleep on the small nest he made on his bed. And it was a small nest. Sokka felt a pang of regret. If Zuko had just told them that he was going into heat, everyone could have given him stuff for a better nest. But that ship had already sailed and there was nothing he could do. So he just crept closer. Zuko looked peaceful in his sleep, and it was only now that he realized that he had never seen Zuko relaxed. He was always grumpy or stressed, because his face had never been this peaceful in their presence, and Sokka couldn't help but feel guilt at the fact that this was more than a little bit his fault. He had let Zuko join their group, but he hadn't given the other boy his trust, and he made sure that Zuko knew it. He resolved to do something about it after all this was over. He carefully made his way to Zuko's bed and sat down on the corner of it. Zuko, wake up. We gotta get some food in you, he called as he set the supplies down on the table next to the bed. Zuko grumbled and tried to bury himself further into his nest. Sokka bit back a smile at that adorableness and reached out a hand and moved Zuko's hands out of his face. Come on, Zuko. And the touch must have worked because Zuko blearily opened his eyes and looked up at Sokka. Sokka was ready to dodge jets of fire and for lots of yelling, 
But surprisingly, that was not what happened. What happened was that Sokka must have stepped into some bizarre alternate universe when he came through the door because Zuko smiled at him and then nuzzled his hand. And Sokka was not prepared for that. Sokka's heart was not prepared for that level of cuteness coming from anyone, let alone Zuko. He swallowed down the coup that was fighting its way out and said, Hey, buddy, it's time to eat. But Zuko either didn't understand or didn't care. He was more insistent in getting as close as he could to Sokka and... Okay, so personal space was not a thing right now, it seemed. Apparently Zuko's usually extremely wide personal space bubble disappeared when he went into heat. He sighed deeply, asking Twee and La what had become of his life. He let Zuko plaster himself up against his side while Sokka grabbed some of the dried berries Katara brought. Then he turned to Zuko, praying the other boy would get the hints. He did, indeed, get the hints. But before Sokka deposited them into Zuko's hand, the other boy ate them out of his hands. And, oh god, Zuko's tongue had definitely touched his fingers. And if Sokka was blushing before, he was combusting now. Cool, cool. So, hand-feeding is a thing you apparently do. I can roll with that. This is fine. Sokka rambled to no one. Because Zuko was definitely not listening. He just patiently waited for Sokka to give him some more berries. So Sokka did. He fed him all of the berries and tried in vain not to pay attention to every time the other boy's mouth touched his skin. Finally, blessedly, the berries were all gone, and Sokka relaxed a fraction. All he had to do now was get Zuko to drink from the water skin. And when he offered it to Zuko, he didn't take it, but he did drink from it greedily. Feeling much better about Zuko's state of health, Sokka got up to leave. But Zuko did not like the idea of that at all. The Omega grabbed Sokka around his middle and growled. This? This was not a problem Sokka had planned for. Zuko, my buddy, my man... You don't actually want me here. In fact, when you are clear-headed and remember that I did this, you are going to be really mad. You might even fry me. Sokka rambled and grabbed onto Zuko's hand and gently pried it off of him. But the hand came back immediately. And fuck. Apparently being in heat had weakened Zuko exactly not at all, because that grip was tight. Sokka gritted his teeth and thought desperately for any way he could get out of this without it turning into a fight. Then an idea hit him. He left Zuko grasping his middle, and he took off his shirt and threw it over Zuko's face, then hastily disentangled his arms, and he definitely didn't run out of the room. It was instead a very manly walk. Maybe a fast walk, but it was still very manly. He closed the door and leaned back against it, breathing heavily, his heart beating a mile a minute as he waited to see what Zuko would do. Everything was quiet for a long while, and Sokka breathed a sigh of relief at the fact that his strange last-ditch plan had worked. Apparently, having a scent in the room was enough to settle him, for now at least. Feeling much better at the state of things now that Zuko had eaten and drank, Sokka left to go get himself another shirt and to do something productive for a while. But as soon as he reached the hallway, Zuko whined again. The same high-pitched morning whine he had done before, and Sokka closed his eyes. Come on, Sokka, you can do this. He might be sad for a bit, but then he'll get so involved with his heat he won't even notice you're gone he tried to reassure himself. Then another one of those whines rang out, and it hit him in the gut, and it was physically painful to stay here. Everything in him screamed at him to turn around and go back. He gritted his teeth and made to go forward, to just rip the band-aid off. But then a small, heartbroken whimper echoed down the hall, and Sokka couldn't do it. He sighed deeply and resigned himself to going back. But before he did, he needed some stuff. Katara! 
He called and planned for exactly what he needed. Sokka was laying down in his sleep pack, trying his hardest to get some shut-eye. This was day three of Zuko's heat, and he had spent practically the whole time outside of Zuko's room. Whether he did it as some form of guarding him, or whether he just couldn't bear to hear the pitiful noises Zuko made when he left, Sokka couldn't tell. He scooched further down in his blanket, trying to get warm. His shirt was gone. In fact, all of his shirts were gone. It seemed the only way to get out of Zuko's room without being attacked by his clingy shark-octopus arms was to sacrifice a piece of clothing, and Sokka staunchly refused to let go of any of his pants. He had some dignity, damn it! He hoped his heat broke soon, not only to spare his pants, but because Zuko would only eat and drink so much during every lull, and Sokka was worried about the jerk. He knew, logically, that heats were hard on Omegas, but he didn't know they were this hard. The Omegas in his village never looked bad after their heats. They didn't lose weight. But from how little Zuko was eating, lost weight was going to be inevitable. Sokka didn't want to see him worse off, and maybe seeing the Omega in a different light had somewhat endeared Zuko to him. Hence the wanting the heat to break, so the jerkbender could get back to normal things, like eating normal amounts and teaching Aang his jerkbending. He was drawn from his thoughts when his brain registered something as different. He floundered for a minute, trying to figure out what it was. But suddenly, he realized that the scent coming from Zuko's room had changed. It wasn't overbearingly sweet anymore. It was more smoky and less cinnamony. And Sokka sighed with relief. That must mean his heat had broken. He pulled himself from his sleep pack and went to go get a bowl of water and a cloth. Zuko was definitely going to want to clean up, and walking through the temple to the baths in his state would probably be embarrassing. He would spare him that. After that was settled, he picked up his sleep pack and went back to the main room where everyone else was sleeping. He hesitated in the hallway, a part of him not wanting to leave Zuko undefended, but he had to nip that in the bud right here and now. Zuko was a perfectly competent Omega who could defend himself. Plus, he would definitely fry Sokka if he thought he was hovering and trying to protect him like some big alpha. So he made himself walk the rest of the way towards the campfire and settled back in for some well-deserved sleep. Zuko woke up feeling hazy. He remembered retreating to his room for his heat, waiting nervously for it to set in. He had never had a heat since the small preheat that had happened when he first presented. His father had made sure to tell Zuko that it was a disgrace that one in line for the throne was an Omega, and told him in no uncertain tones that he would not make himself any weaker by spreading his pheromones everywhere or going into heat. So he was started on herbs that would suppress them, and he had been on them ever since. Until, well... Now. It was an inconvenient time to be going off them, with Sozin's comet so close. But he really didn't have a choice. He ran out of them a few days ago, hence his heat. He stretched out and winced at how sore he was. When he stood, he grimaced at the mess he had made of himself and of his nest. He took a deep breath and stopped. His own scent was unfamiliar to him, but he recognized it instinctually. But what stopped him in his tracks was the smell of pine and frost. It was Sokka's scent and that meant the boy had been in his room. His heart beat triple time as Zuko tried not to panic. He fell back onto his nest, and when his hand came down, it pushed up more of the scent. He looked down to see a pile of blue and red shirts. He reached down to grab one, wondering why it was there, when a flood of memories assaulted him. Sokka feeding him, Sokka holding him, and Zuko stubbornly not letting him go. Zuko flushed at the feelings associated with those memories the safety, the contentment, and the shameful want. 
but he calmed himself because in none of those memories had Sokka taken advantage of him. He had just made sure that he ate and drank, and then he left, leaving him with a shirt filled with his scent each time. And Zuko was never, ever going to tell him how much easier those shirts had made his heat. He stood up and again noticed the bowl of water and the cloth, and a rush of warmth ran through him at Sokka's thoughtful action. He methodically washed, getting all the dried fluids off of himself, and went to his pack to get out a clean pair of clothes. He wrinkled his nose at how strongly they smelled of heat, but there was nothing to do about that. They would air out with time. He gathered all his linens and Sokka's shirts to put in a pile to wash, but hesitated. He brought one of the shirts to his nose and inhaled deeply, and the scent made all of his muscles unclench. It relaxed him completely. He flushed as he put the Red Fire Nation shirt aside. Surely Sokka wouldn't miss that shirt if Zuko kept it for a while. He gathered the rest of them and brought them to the baths to wash them. Once that was done, he couldn't put off seeing the rest of the group any longer. He hung the linens and slowly made his way to the main area. He stepped in quietly, hoping no one would notice him, but his hopes were dashed as Katara looked up from a pot of stew she was making, and then she smiled, which was enough to freak Zuko out on its own, and said, Well, look who's finally up! And everyone turned to look at him. Sokka was shirtless for some strange reason, even though it was always chilly this high up. He didn't have much more time to think about it, because with a burst of air, Aang launched himself at Zuko. The Omega staggered back under the weight of the other boy. Zuko! Aang wailed. I'm so glad you're okay! We were all so worried! Zuko was pretty sure he felt tears wetting his tunic. He patted Aang's back, but when the other boy didn't let go, he dragged him over to the fire and sat down. Aang just kept his arms around his middle and laid his head in Zuko's lap. Aang, we told you this already. What Zuko was going through is perfectly natural. All Omegas have heats, Katara said calmly, and Zuko flinched at being called an Omega so openly. At that, he finally raised his head from Zuko's lap and looked up at him. Hey, why didn't you tell any of us you were an Omega? We all thought you were a Beta, he asked, his face crinkled and upset. Zuko sighed and rubbed his forehead. He could feel a headache coming on. Before he came up with an answer, Sokka spoke up. It's his business, and he didn't need to tell us if he didn't want to. Zuko was shocked that Sokka stood up for him. In any other situation, Sokka would be the second one to jump down his throat. They all knew Katara would be the first. Well, you standing up for Sparky is nice in all snoozles, but he definitely should have told us he was an Omega. This group is all about sharing, and we definitely don't keep secrets. Toph interjected, sending a small frown in Zuko's general direction. And Zuko knew that. He really did. And he was trying to be a part of this group, but he had never been open about his presentation with anyone outside of his family. His shoulders slumped and he sighed. I know, he said in a small voice that barely carried across the open space. Well, Toph started, leaning her arms down onto her knees. If you know, why didn't you share? Zuko ran a hand harshly through his hair. It's... it's just... it's hard, okay? My fault. Ozai said being an Omega was shameful, and he didn't want anyone to know, so he started me on suppressants as soon as I presented, and no one talked about it. No one outside of the royal family was supposed to know. That's dumb, Aang insisted, finally sitting up from his perch on Zuko's lap. Why would they think it was shameful? There has never been an Omega Fire Lord, Zuko started. In fact, I think it explains why my father tried so hard to get rid of me, Zuko said, unconsciously bringing up his hand to touch his scar. 
He was so consumed with his thoughts that he didn't notice the rest of the group sending worried looks to each other. That still doesn't explain why, really, Sokka interjected. I mean, Omegas are just as capable as any Beta or Alpha. Katara snorted. That's certainly a change in opinion. Sokka looked down at his hands. I was wrong. I know that, okay? It shouldn't have taken so long for me to realize, but now I do, he said, wringing his hands together. And Zuko's heart warmed at the admission. He hadn't known that Sokka had ever felt any differently, but the open admission that he had changed buoyed him. I mean, just look at Zuko, Sokka said and gestured at the Omega. Super competent, an awesome bender, and sword fighter, and he chased us across the world. Zuko flushed. I'm not that good of a bender, he mumbled, and I never caught you. I don't know what rock you've been living under, but you are not only a good bender, but a great one. Sokka said, as he pointed emphatically at Zuko. Aang piped up with his agreement as Sokka continued, And you never caught us because we are just next level. Not even your sister, who you insist is so much better than you, came as close to catching us as you did. Zuko was sure the flesh he felt on his face had extended to his whole body, and he felt flustered. He knew they were wrong, but he couldn't think of the words to express that right now, so he just stuttered out a, Sure. Well, Zuko is clearly awesome and doesn't hear that enough, Sokka continued. That still doesn't answer why being an Omega is somehow shameful. I can take this, Sparky, Toph said confidently. My parents were sure that their precious, fragile daughter was going to be an Omega, so they prepared me for the certainty of living as one, Toph said with a saccharine voice. Omegas are only good for housekeeping and child-rearing. Did you know? Toph said far too casually that if I do present as an Omega, that I won't even inherit anything from my parents. It will all go to whatever big, strong Alpha I marry. Toph said bitterly, as she clenched her fists so tightly that her fingers were startlingly white. What? Katara exclaimed. That is... She struggled to find a word for a moment and finally settled on. That's barbaric. A mating is supposed to be a partnership, not some way to control someone. Toph stayed silent, so Zuko decided to step in. It isn't uncommon for things to work that way in the Fire Nation as well. A lot of Omegas stop going to normal school and go to a finishing school instead when they present. And it is almost unheard of for Omegas to continue with bending lessons. At least when Ozai decided to hide my presentation, I got to keep up with that. Zuko laughed bitterly. I had no idea things were this shitty in the rest of the world, Sokka said slowly. But then his face turned determined. But when this war is over, Zuko is going to be Fire Lord, and everyone is going to see just how much Omegas rock, and everyone is going to change their tune. He turned to smile at Zuko. If anyone can change people's mind, it is definitely going to be Zuko. He's as stubborn as an ox mule, and competent enough to get anything done. The flesh from earlier returned with a vengeance as Sokka stared at Zuko with that sweet smile. And all Zuko could think of was how caring Sokka was while he took care of Zuko during his heat. And Zuko has a sinking feeling that he wasn't going to be able to get that out of his head anytime soon. Sokka took a deep breath as he picked up his sword. It brought Zuko's newly revealed scent to him, and cinnamon and smoke surrounded him, making his tightly coiled body relax. He scowled. This whole Omega thing better not give Zuko an advantage during their spar. He slumped dejectedly. Who was he to talk? Zuko already definitely had the advantage here. You ready, Sokka? Zuko called out, and Sokka shook himself from his thoughts and turned around to face Zuko. Sure am. You better get ready to have your butt kicked, Sokka crowed. 
Zuko smiled something small and predatory as he pulled out his dao, and that look was definitely doing things to Sokka. I don't think I will be the one losing today, Sokka. Zuko swung his swords and loosely got into a defensive position. Sokka narrowed his eyes as he took a starting position. We'll see about that, he said, and waited for a beat, then charged Zuko. His sword slid off of one of Zuko's dao, and though Omega used the other to push Sokka back. He allowed Zuko to push him back a few steps, and with the next swing of his dao, he ducked under it and went for Zuko's back. They went back and forth, gaining ground and losing it, and it felt like a dance. Sokka lost himself in it, finding joy in the strain in his muscles, and when he looked Zuko in the eye, he could see the other boy was feeling it too. Sokka saw an opening and moved forward, sword swinging to take it. Zuko smirked as he came nearer, and Sokka's eyes widened as he realized too late that it was a trap. With a skillful twist of his dao, Zuko tore Sokka's space sword out of his hands and backed Sokka up. Sokka kept stepping back, eyes never leaving Zuko, as he looked for an opportunity to get his sword back, until suddenly Sokka's back thumped against the wall and Zuko's dao were pressed up right next to his throat. Sokka's chest heaved from the exertion of the fight, and his heart thrummed with the leftover adrenaline. He blushed as he noticed just how close Zuko was to him, their bodies inches apart. The space was infinitesimal and a gaping chasm all at once. All he could think about was closing that gap, grabbing Zuko and... Nice spar, Zuko said, taking his swords away from Sokka's neck, and like that the spell was broken. Zuko turned away and sheathed his sword, and Sokka took the moment to get himself under control. Then he walked towards the edge of the courtyard, grabbed his water skin, and sat down, feet dangling over the edge. Zuko joined him, and they both sat in silence for a few moments. Zuko cleared his throat and turned to face Sokka. I wanted to thank you for helping me through my heat, Zuko said hesitantly, shifting uncomfortably. It was nothing. Sokka waved him off. Anyone would have done the same. No, Zuko said with conviction. Most people wouldn't have done the same especially not another alpha. Silence swept over them once again as they both looked out at the mountains around them. Right as Sokka was going to break the silence, Zuko spoke again. You hear stories all the time about unlucky Omegas caught by someone during their heat. Stories about Omegas unwillingly sharing their heat and ending up ruined, or worse, pregnant, and then being forced to marry the one who did that to them. The whole time Zuko spoke, he stared out at the setting sun. His face kept carefully neutral. And no one ever talks about these alphas badly. They just say that the Omega wanted it, or the Alpha couldn't control himself. Then Zuko turned to face him, his face serious. And then you did this. You wanted to my nest during my heat. Sokka winced, waiting for a reprimand. But it never came. And you could control yourself. You didn't touch me even when. Zuko's face was dusted with a light pink, and Sokka can't help but think how nice it looked on him. Even when I was begging you to. Those stories are wrong. Those are just excuses. He doesn't make an alpha lose all semblance of control. I mean, don't get me wrong, Sokka laughed. It definitely affects us, nature and all that. The tentative smile on Sokka's face dropped. But we still have control over ourselves. The alphas that take advantage of omegas like that are shameful. And, and, Sokka stopped for a second, trying to think of a word. There were a thousand on the tip of his tongue. Condemnations and anger but all that came out is wrong. Zuko looked away from him and fiddled with his water skin. I was raised thinking those stories were true, he says quietly, that being an Omega, having heats, 
was shameful and something to hide. Sokka's heart ached at that, and all he wanted to do was reach out and grab Zuko's hand, to assure him that that wasn't true. But before he could move, Zuko looked back at him, and something fragile flitted across the Omega's face. But now, I think, he said hesitantly, then shook his head. No, I know that that isn't true, and you showed me that, Sokka. Sokka felt anger in his gut and bile in his throat at the admission that Zuko didn't know that those people were wrong, that Omegas in the Fire Nation, and maybe places in the Earth Kingdom too, were raised to think that those atrocities were their fault. He had run across a lot of different viewpoints and cultures during his travels with Aang, but this is the thing he hated the most. Sure, Omegas in the Water Tribe may be treated differently. They were seen as things to protect and shelter, and he knew now how that was wrong, but that a large portion of the world treated Omegas as... as possessions, as little more than a pleasure slave or a baby factory. It shook him to his core. He took a deep breath to steady himself, and then gave Zuko a shaky smile. I'm glad you know that now, Zuko. You are so much more than your secondary gender. Even when you were chasing us around the world trying to capture Aang, I sort of admired you. You were so strong, so determined, and even back then you were honorable. Zuko took in a shaky breath, but Sokka needed to say this, so he hurried on. Like when we first met, even after Aang escaped, you didn't turn back and raise our village. You kept your word when Aang didn't. Of course I did. It would have been dishonorable, too. Zuko started, indignation coloring his voice. Before Zuko could work himself up even more, Sokka reached out and took one of his hands. I know, Zuko. That was the point I was trying to make. Sokka smiled at him fondly. That you are honorable, and strong, and a good person. Zuko looked away from him, and he was blushing again. It was silent for a long moment before Zuko spoke again. Well, anyways, I just wanted to say thank you. And now you... well, you know. He finished lamely, and Sokka's small smile grew larger at the awkwardness of the other boy. Yeah, I do know now. He let go of Zuko's hand and mourned the loss of it, then stood up. Well, dinner is probably ready by now. We shouldn't keep Katara waiting. Zuko's face fell at the mention of Katara, and Sokka completely understood. An angry Katara was a scary Katara. Yeah, Zuko said, and stood up too, and followed Sokka back to the heart of the temple, while the rest of the group waited, a small smile gracing both of their faces the whole way back.